Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coffee with Jesus. Today, I want to follow on from our last few sessions that we've had together. And so if you haven't yet, I want to encourage you, pause this one and go listen to our three previous podcasts because we are journeying through the life of Elisha. We started out talking about how important lighting a fire is, burning a backup plan. We then spoke about how well he imitated imitated Elijah. And then last time we spoke about a moment of digging ditches. And if you've missed those again, go. I encourage you to listen to those before you carry on with this one. Today as we carry on, we're going to talk about a concept of emptiness, being empty. If you're new to our podcast, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. To those of you who tune in week in and week out, welcome back. So good to be with you. As far as possible, we release these podcasts every week. And the point is just to spend 10, 15 minutes together where we unpack something that helps us become more like Jesus. So whether you're listening to this over a cup of coffee or tea, you might be in your car on the way to work or to drop off the kids or even a gym, let's dive into how we can become more like Jesus. So if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast on whichever platform you're on so you are kept up to date whenever we release one of these sessions. I don't know how many of you follow Formula One racing. Way back when I first got into F1, there was this intense rivalry between two of the best racers the sport has ever seen. The one was a man by the name of Alain Prost and the other was a man by the name of Ayrton Senna. Both were brilliant, but both were completely opposite. Alain Prost was a calculated racer. He knew exactly how fast he could go, what he needed to do to win the championship. If he only needed to get the points from fourth position, he didn't try and go nuts and win. He was okay with fourth. Senna, on the other hand, was described as a madman. He didn't care what the situation was. He wanted to win. During their racing time, there was a a rule at one stage that came out that said during the race, you could only stop for tires, but you couldn't refuel. What this meant was that the drivers and the engineers had to work out exactly how much fuel they needed to finish the race. They would work out the weight of the body and all that kind of stuff. And they would work out exactly how many liters of petrol each race would take. This was incredibly important because if you carried a lot of fuel too much, that would slow you down. And so the teams worked out very specific calculations. Everyone gave themselves a bit of a cushion, obviously, because you don't want to run out of fuel as well. They worked out the calculation as if the car needed to do a few more laps just so that their driver would never run out of fuel. So they didn't fill it up over the top, but they always gave a little bit extra. Senna didn't like that. And so he worked out the calculations to the very kilometer. There were times, apparently, where he would run out of petrol meters before the finish line. Sometimes he would roll over the finish line, get out of his car on the main straight. The point is that he never finished with more than he needed. He made sure he used every drop of fuel during the race. He wasn't okay to be like every other driver and play it safe and be average. He wanted to win and he wanted to be greater than the rest. Now, I want to go on, go with a little something this morning. I want us to imagine that all of us, our lives are like that race car. We are all born with stuff inside of us. This fuel is the talents we have, the finances God has given us, the anointing of God, the gifts of the spirit, the relationships we're in. And we all have a a tank like this in our lives. And it's our choice where we pour ourselves out, how much we use, how much we spend. We decide how much, where and when we give of ourselves. With this in mind, I want to read the end of the story when it comes to Elisha. And actually, the end of his life is actually beyond his life. It says this in 2 Kings 13 verse 20. Elisha died and was buried. Now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once, while some Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders, so they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. 
When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. This is an incredible story, right? Um, and it seems almost to just be pasted onto the end of Elisha's life as if, hey, just so that you know. But here we see Elisha is dead, and some uh, people throw a dead man on top of Elisha's bones, and the man stands up, the dead man stands up. In other words, there was still something in the dead body, there's still something in the bones of Elisha that when it came into contact with death, it changed it. Elisha died with anointing still on him, still in him. Now, I'm not saying that Elisha didn't live a full life. That's not what I'm saying. But this question has got me asking, what may still be left in the graveyard of our world? It is said that the richest place in the world is a graveyard because it is full of unwritten books and ideas no one ever pursued. Don't you want your family and your friends, your community and the world to be a better place because you chose to pour yourself out while you were still alive instead of always holding something back? I know I do. So this morning, today, I'm going to go through the word empty, and we're going to look at five things that we need to know if we're going to live life full and die empty. The E of empty stands for the word engage. If you want to live a full life and die happy and empty, we need to learn to engage. In other words, be present in the moment. You need to learn to be all there whenever you find, wherever you find yourself. Another way you can look at this is we need to learn to pay attention. If we aren't paying attention, we could lose out on an opportunity. We could end up with so much inside us, not because we were lazy, but because we weren't engaged or paying attention. Engaging is not as difficult as it may sound. It's actually very simple when you think about it, but it is a lot harder in real life. For me, there are three things that help me engage in any situation. You, you can think of those three L's. The first is look. We need to learn to look at any situation and be able to evaluate it then and there. We need to look at people and places and opportunities with the eyes of heaven, with eyes wide open. If we aren't looking where we're going, we end up getting hurt and falling over. The second L is listen. When you're with a person, listen to them. Even right now to this podcast, don't just have it on while you're doing a million other things. Truly listen. Don't just assume you know what someone's going to say. Don't assume you understand them either. Listen to understand. And the last L, so we've got look, listen. Thirdly, lean in. In other words, lean into the things that are important. We need to stop we need to learn to lean in when people are talking. We need to learn to lean in and pay attention and not just go through the motions. So the first thing is empty. Uh, the first E is empty and engage. The, P, the M for empty is move. We've all heard this kind of analogy. A boat that is anchored in a harbor can't change its course. A person who's not on the move can't see and experience new things. It can't go to new places, the ship, because it's stuck in the harbor. However, a boat that is on the move with the wind in its sails can go to new places. It can change its course. It needs to move. Same is true for us. We can't wait for a full life to happen to us. We can't wait on our couches or for a phone call telling us our dreams have come true. We need to get up and move. We need to be active. We need to work and work hard. If there's something I'm learning over and over as I read through the Bible it's that God loves to call and use those who are active, not those who are waiting lazily. If we want to live a full life and die empty, we need to get moving. The P for empty stands for priorities. The goal is not that we live busy lives. Please, please don't misunderstand. When I talk about being, when I talk about movement, I'm not saying just be busy, but we need to live effective lives. Being busy and being effective are two very different things. And the difference between the two is the idea of priorities. In other words, this is the ability to say no to something so that you can say yes to the right things. I've noticed something. 
throughout my years in ministry, the people who have the hardest time saying no are the people who are in church. We feel like because we said yes to Jesus, we have to say yes to everyone else, when in fact, the opposite is true. In saying yes to Jesus, we were given the right to say no to, it, to, to other people, other things. It means that we are not going to worship anything else. If we want to die empty, we need to learn to say no to some things so we can say yes to the right things. This is all you, I'm afraid. I can't do this for you. I can encourage you and I can pray with you. But at some point, the word no has to come out of your mouth so you can say yes to the right things. I don't want to get into this too much. But the basic question here is, do you want to live an effective life or are you just trying to be busy? Unfortunately, it's impossible to be both. The T in empty starts for try again. We all know the saying, if at first you don't succeed, try again. My dad always used to say, if at first you don't succeed, skydiving probably isn't for you. I know it's, it's not a great joke. However, in terms of this morning, the T in empty stands for try again. We've spoken about this before, but no matter what happens, we should never, ever give up. Doesn't matter how many times you fall or get knocked down, we need to get back up and try again. Most leaders and entrepreneurs don't fail because their idea was bad. They fail because they lose courage to try again. If we want to live full and die empty, we need to learn that falling down doesn't equal failing. Staying down does. This is a choice we face every day. If it's in our business and in our homes, this can be applied to our emotions and our relationships with God. We need to constantly try again and again and again and again because no one ever accomplished anything by giving up. No one ever lived a full life by giving up. Failing is something we experience. It isn't who we are unless we allow it to define us. The day you can give up is the day the day you can give up is the day God gives up on you. And I want to say to you that that's not happening anytime soon. God is not going to give up on you. Up until now, this has all been pretty straightforward. And the reality is that even if you've never met Jesus, all of this can be applied to your life, right? You might be listening to this and you're not sure about the Jesus thing, the church thing. You can apply almost all of these principles to your life. But the last point is the key to living a full life. And the, the why stands for Yahweh. This is the name God gave himself when he was talking to Moses. And there have been people who have done all the first four things to the letter, and yet when they are on their deathbed, there is something missing within them. They realize that, hey, I, I haven't lived a full life because I've missed the point of life. If you want to get to the end of the journey and know that you've lived a full life, a great life, then you need to have a relationship with Yahweh through Jesus. We need a relationship with the one who created us, who called us. We need a relationship with the one who saved us and the one who has called us. This isn't some cliche that we are trying to patch on to the end of this message. This is the most vital thing in the message. If we don't have a connection with the one who created us, then how do we know what we were created for? And if we don't know our purpose, then the odds on us living full and dying empty are very low. In fact, you're probably going to do the, the opposite. You're probably going to live empty and die full. When we have a relationship with God, then living an average life isn't even an option anymore. When we know how much he gave and poured out for us, we cannot hold on to anything. Jesus gave his life so we could live ours to the full. The final and most important piece to this puzzle is that we have a connection and we communicate with the one who created us. As I mentioned in the beginning, we are all in this thing called life. Being alive is hazardous to your health. We can choose to settle for an average life and die with so much inside of us, or we can choose to go and pursue a full life God has for us. Again, I'm not saying that Elisha didn't live a full life, but the picture of there still being power in the bones reminds us that there is still sometimes so much that we are buried with. 
And my prayer for you today is that you would go into this week, go into the rest of this year, knowing that you're going to pour yourself out so that when you do meet Jesus, he would say these words, well done, good and faithful servants. Well, God bless you. I hope you have an incredible week and we will see you same time, same place next week. Thank you.